Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Welcome back to the 3D Parent Podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode where I will be answering questions submitted to me by listeners just like you. If you have questions that you'd like me to answer on future podcasts, please send them my way. You can submit them on my website at the3dparent.com or on my Facebook page. My Facebook page is the3dparent or on my Instagram at the3dparent. And I would love to consider using one of your questions and answering it on a future broadcast. You can send me your a pseudonym if you don't want me to use your name or your child's name, but I always just use first names. And I'll also let you know if I'm going to be answering one of your questions on a particular episode so you can tune in and listen for yourself. The questions can be more general, um, just kind of general questions having to do with parenting, or they can be specific to something that you are dealing with in your family. Both types of questions are great and beneficial to a lot of people. And chances are, if you're having a particular challenge or you're wondering, somebody else is too. So you're really helping all the parents who are listening um, and tuning into the 3D Parent Podcast for suggestions and support and ideas to help them in their parenting. So I'm going to jump right in with my first question submitted by a listener named Emily. She writes, I'd love to know how to cultivate gratitude in kids and avoid a me, me, me default, but without the often accompanying shame or guilt or self-neglect involved. Such a great question, and I love this especially because it's so timely heading into the holidays. It's a great time to stop and reflect with your families on ways to be thankful or grateful. So why should we be thinking about gratitude? Why do I think it's so fantastic that Emily wrote in and asked about gratitude? But we actually have a lot of research out there that supports that gratitude and gratitude practices has a huge impact on not only our emotional health and well-being, but also our physical health and well-being. It can impact everything from lowering your chances of depression to improving your immune system function. This is huge that we actually have studies that point to this. I'm actually going to put a link in my show notes to one of these studies that kind of explains all of the different impacts that some type of a gratitude practice can have on your overall health. It's so fascinating. I want to um, have you look into that further, but I'm not going to delve into it right now when I'm answering this listener's question. So my tips, my first suggestion is modeling. I talked a lot on my um, episode three, where I really um, focused on the deep connection, the attachment piece of the 3D parent approach. If your child is connected with you, they naturally want to kind of copy and connect with you on this level of kind of wanting to mimic or be like you and the caregivers and parents that they're really close and attached to. So if you model 
gratitude in your everyday life, chances are they're going to start to pick up on that and they're going to incorporate it into what they do naturally as well. Initially, it might be on a little bit more of a copycat kind of level where they might just be copying your behavior. But as they get a little older, as their development goes, increases a little bit and they start to get a little bit more mature, their brain develops. This limbic system kicks in around age four or five where they're able to process things on a deeper, more emotional level. So they already have kind of in practice kind of this copycat behavior of showing gratitude or practicing gratitude by just kind of mimicking and copying your behaviors. When they get a little bit older, it will start to have that deeper impact, which is really great. So why not start when they're young, when they can kind of copy this practice, um, showing gratitude and being grateful and thankful for um, everything around them. Also, another thing you might want to consider is introducing some type of a daily practice or ritual around gratitude. I know for some people who have a religious family, they may already do something like having nightly prayers where they can go ahead and give thanks. That's great. But if you don't have a religious family or that's something that doesn't really connect with how you are in a spiritual level, you might want to just incorporate just giving thanks or expressing something that you're grateful for. A really wonderful time you could do this. Like I said, bedtime could be great, but even better would you do it at a family meal. So hopefully you have family meals together as a family, if not nightly, then at least a few times a week where you could incorporate part of what you do during that family meal is some type of ritual of gratitude. So it could be very simple, just, okay, everybody go around and name something that they're grateful for that happened today. It could be just that simple. Or you might want to incorporate a ritual like I did with my family. There's this really great, it's called roses and thorns. The rose would be the something that you're grateful for, something that happened that was wonderful or beautiful in your day. And the thorn is something that was maybe hard or something that was difficult. So processing those kind of highs and lows of the day through a little ritual of, okay, everybody go around and share your rose and your thorn could be another way of showing and expressing gratitude and connecting with your entire family. My family started doing this roses and thorns when my kids ranged in age from my youngest, who was at around two or three at the time, and my oldest, who at the time was like 12, I believe. And it was so um, great for everybody to kind of be sharing their highs and lows of the days. It was adorable, of course, the things coming out of my two-year-old's mouth. Um, And we all kind of got a wink, wink, nudge, nudge around the table and connect on how cute it was, the things she'd come up to share with all of us. And it was also really wonderful for the older kids kind of also model gratitude or sharing kind of hard times with the family. Um, Another thing you might consider outside of kind of family mealtime is introducing something that's become more and more popular with adults, which is to kind of have a gratitude journal where you kind of write down something you were grateful for. Um, you could introduce this to your older child to kind of incorporate into their practice, writing down something they're grateful for, or you could even have a gratitude journal that the whole family fills out. It could be something that maybe sits on your coffee table or some area where the family gathers often. And if anybody can think of something, they could write it down. Or you could even say, okay, write something in the gratitude journal. Another idea that you can incorporate, especially seasonally right now, being that we're coming into the holidays, you might consider doing something around um, that incorporates the holidays into some type of a gratitude practice. Some years I have gotten um, little leaf cutouts from a craft store. You can make your own or even gather real leaves, let them dry out and write on them with a Sharpie pen or a paint pen, something that you're grateful for and go ahead and um, kind of 
tape those up to the refrigerator or on the wall, or maybe make a cut out of a leaf and attach them. You could also do something similar making um, when you're decorating your house for the holidays, if that's something that you do, you could make those little paper chains that you can kind of use to decorate any room or put around a tree or decorate the kids' um, rooms with. And you could write something that you're grateful for on the strips of paper before you kind of staple them or tape them and connect them into a chain. So it could be a gratitude chain. Final thing I want to mention is it doesn't have to always be the big things. And of course, we don't want to just be focusing on the material things. Get into the practice of noticing the tiny things in life with your children. When you're on a walk with them, perhaps, or driving in the car, notice a beautiful tree, a leaf. Stop and look at an ant and marvel at this little ant and, and how it's so busy and working and give that ant some attention and notice the beauty of ant building its home with the rest of its little ant family or community. Recognize a sunset, point it out, stop and smell the roses with your children. That's another way of being grateful for those things that are simple, tiny things that you could just stop and take notice of that might be worth thinking about. How are you noticing the small things in life and being grateful for those as well. Thank you so much for that question. It was a really, really great one to get um, started with, Emily. Um, my next question comes from listener Lisa. And her question is, my son's attitude is getting really bad. He just turned 11 and I'm not sure how to handle it. Now, I don't have obviously a lot of specifics. I don't know if this is a change in behavior or if he's always kind of been one of those kids that kind of walks around with a little bit of a cloud over his head. But the, I'm going to assume since she says my son's attitude is getting really bad and he just turned 11 that she's connecting maybe with his age and stage. And I want to jump into that and start off right away and say that I want to encourage you, the 3D Parent Podcast listener, to collectively reject this notion that we've come to accept as normal in our society, as normal in our culture, that kids grow up into teens who hate and reject their parents. That is just not true. Anytime I hear that, I just, my skin crawls because it is not true and it does not have to be that way. And if you start to believe that, well, it might just turn out to be true. I want to instead recognize that the process that adolescents or pre-adolescents are going through is very complex and they're dealing with a lot of input from a lot of different areas and aspects of their life. They're also at 11 years old, this shift is happening in their brain that is really difficult and makes it really hard for them sometimes to process their emotions. Very similarly to the way that it's hard for a toddler or preschool to process their emotions, something similar is going on for your pre-adolescent, your adolescent in terms of their brain development. So recognizing that part of that is part of the age and stage. It does not mean though, oh, my child now is wired to hate me and to become like adversarial with me. And um, we're going to become almost like enemies and somehow we're going to come out of this. And I hope we have a relationship on the other side. It does not need to be that way. And it should not be that way. And we need to kind of embrace our adolescents, our tweens, our teens, and recognize that they've got a lot going on in their life, but more than ever, they need a strong attachment, a strong connection with their primary caregivers, with their parents, with their village who is helping to raise them. I also want you to remember, Lisa and everybody else who can kind of relate to this, that this overall concept that when kids behave badly or act out negatively, they're expressing to us how they're feeling inside. 
this is, again, we're looking at behavior as a form of communication, and it's our job to kind of dig below, look at that three-dimensional approach. Don't just react to that behavior or that talk back or that sass from your child. Instead, try and figure out what's at the root of it. And again, do not say, oh, it's just because my kid is becoming an adolescent, and oh yeah, they turn into jerks and they hate their parents. Mm -mm. It is much more complex than that. There's something going on for your child that he's struggling with, that your child might be struggling with. They don't feel good inside, and you're seeing that in the behavior. Behavior. So instead of just reacting to the behavior or addressing the behavior, don't talk to me that way, don't sass me that way, you're grounded, time out. Instead of, you know, go to your room, the, the big kid version of a timeout, or if you just lost screen time, or I'm not going to hang out with you and you act this way, rather than reacting to the child's behavior and issuing some type of a consequence, instead, respond to what you feel, what you believe is underneath that behavior. So when your kid sasses you back or has kind of like a angry attitude, instead say, you seem really frustrated right now. Instead of saying, don't talk to me that way and becoming the enemy, come alongside your child and recognize that they need support right now. And instead say, well, you must have had a really bad day. You're having a really hard time. I could tell you're really frustrated right now. Or it's okay to say, you know what? I could tell you need some space right now. You seem really angry and frustrated. I'm going to go ahead and give you some space and I'm going to come find you in a little bit. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to see if we can kind of get to the bottom of what's really bothering you. Give them a little space sometime before you go and reapproach it this time from the context of connection. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. You also want to make sure that you're not getting overly triggered by your child's behaviors, by what you're seeing on the outside. If you can model calm, if you can model respect, you're not going to get as much of the disrespectful behavior coming back at you. Your child won't see you as, oh, on the other side. They really need to know that you're on the same side. So if you say, wow, you seem like you're having a really hard time right now. I can see that. I'm going to give you some space. And then wait for their kind of emotions to kind of calm down. Re-enter. Try and see if you can connect with them and get to kind of the root of what's bothering them. Did they have a hard day at school? Are things not going well for them with their friends? Are they completely overloaded with homework? Did they forget they had a, a test that day and just bomb it? Um, what's going on for your child? You cannot approach them head on like, okay, I'm here to teach you a lesson. You need to make space for them to kind of process some of these hard emotions so that you can come back in and connect with them and get to the root and help them. Another tip that I want to pass on that I got from a parent coach that I worked with, you need to look at your child and inside ask yourself, can my kid do better in this moment right now? Is my child just like having this like impulse reaction, but no, they could do better. If they can, then you go ahead and you say, you can do better. You demand it of them. This isn't like you. You can do better than this. I know this isn't the way you intended to react. You can do better than this. Call them out on it. But if you're looking at your child and you're like, my child cannot do better right now, it makes no sense to demand it of them because they cannot do better. They're struggling. They're hurting. So taking it on and really focusing on forcing them to say it again, you know, in a different tone of voice and kind of become this commanding, demanding parent is not going to help them if they cannot do any better in that moment. So again, do a paradigm shift. Look at your child instead of this child who's um, being rude and disrespectful. Look at your child and say, is my child really hurting inside? Is my child really um, in pain? And if they are, do not sacrifice your relationship with them to force your child to perform for you, to put, get into some side of some type of a power struggle where you're going to demand that they perform for you in that moment when they are struggling so badly.
remember, and I shared this quite a bit, uh, I think I repeated a few times on my third episode about the deep connection, the attachment with our child, remember that it is our job as parents, as caregivers, to keep our children attached to us. It's not the other way around. They should never feel that they have to work for our attachment, work for our attention, our connection. You have to train yourself to hug the porcupine. And sometimes these tweens, these teens, these adolescents and pre-adolescents, a lot of times they're presenting as porcupines. Don't forget that inside that porcupine is a soft heart. Under those quills is a soft-hearted human being. Do not lose sight of that. And so, yes, you do have to train yourself to hug the porcupine and kind of embrace your child, even when they're going through a period of time where they may not always be so lovable. Don't forget who's inside of that child. And I want to kind of end on this question that was submitted again. Thank you so much. It was a fantastic um, question to kind of dig into here with something I um, read recently. I live in Seattle and our football team, the Seahawks, um, there was an article recently written up about um, the kicker on the team, Jason Myers, who the previous week had had a rough game and missed some key kicks. And um, this past weekend had a fantastic game. And uh, the coach was being interviewed, Pete Carroll, and he was asked, you know, basically to talk about this player and like, gosh, what do you do when, you know, he, he has such a rough game like he had last week. And I loved what Pete Carroll said. He said, you love them on through it. And the same is true for our children. Our children are going to have bad days. They're going to have hard times. They're going to have behaviors that are going to push all of our buttons. You have to love them on through it. You have to continue hugging that porcupine. You have to keep on loving and showing up for your child, even when they're presenting as less than lovable. And the last question that I'm going to tackle today is from listener Sarah. And here's what she writes. How do I help my four-year-old daughter, Lily, have the confidence to stand up for herself and assert herself? The other day at the child care at our gym, another child was playing with her in a way that she didn't want, but she didn't say no because... He liked it. And those were her words. I'm heartbroken over this. Another example is she has a friend who is really territorial over her toys. And if Lily is having a turn with something, the friend will scream and carry on, even with the mom defending Lily and making her kid wait. But Lily will just hand over the toy. We'll remind Lily that she can finish her turn. She hasn't done anything wrong. And then finally, she recently gave in to her little sister Charlotte's whining about a toy. And I told her she didn't have to give up the toy just because her, because her turn wasn't over. But she said, it's okay. Charlotte wants it more than I do. I don't want her to be a people pleaser. I want her to feel confident and be able to stand up for herself. I feel sickened over what she said about the kid in the gym. Any suggestions? Thank you so much, Sarah. This is such a rich question with so many different things to kind of um, digest. So I'm going to do the, my, the best I can in the amount of time I have allotted. But honestly, some of this I feel like I'm going to um, tackle on future episodes because there's so much good um thought process going on in your behalf when you're looking at your child and seeing kind of how she's kind of interacting with her peers around her. So first I want to highlight what I'm hearing, which is really good. And that is that your daughter, Lily, is really empathetic. She cares a lot about other people's feelings. And that is very mature for a child of um, this age and stage. I believe you said that she was four years old. She's done something that we expect to start seeing from five to seven-year-olds, and that's ability to kind of process and hold more than one feeling at a time. 
little ones, younger children typically just feel one feeling or emotion at a time. It takes more maturity to be able to kind of process, oh gosh, I'm feeling this way, but then there's this other feeling, conflicting feelings. On the other hand, thoughts and feelings. And Lily's doing this. And that is really incredible because it's showing that she's got some uh, maturity that's kicking in. That's even a little bit ahead of where um, you typically see a four-year-old. The problem is what she's choosing to do with these mixed feelings. In this case, rather than acting on her feeling of, you know, I'm not liking what this boy is doing, or mm, I really want to play with this toy now, she's instead acting on the other feeling and taking the other child's feelings into account and putting those as more important than her own. And this is starting to become a pattern for Lily, which you're right, you've recognized that, and that's a concern for you as her mom. How do I help my child learn to kind of stick up for herself or stand up for her feelings that she has inside. She clearly is uncomfortable with other, um, her peers who are having um, big emotions. So that makes her uncomfortable. And that's why she's kind of just like giving in to the other person's feelings. So again, the good part, this empathy piece, you can actually use that to help turn around the concerns that you have. So you need her to understand that she is not responsible for other people's feelings. That's where you really could put some work in here with Lily. So outside of those incidents, it's really important to kind of follow up with her and kind of address that with her. You can recognize that she, you can go ahead and tell her like, gosh, it is so incredible that you have such a soft heart that you care so much about other people's feelings that you sometimes even sacrifice what you want to do to try and help someone else feel better. And that, that shows what a good soft heart you have. But at the same time, you could really help that person handle their own uncomfortable feelings because you're not responsible for those and you don't need to fix them. So your little sister, your friend, they actually need to learn that waiting for a turn is hard and that they can handle that big feeling. You're not responsible for fixing or making it better for them. It's okay to have your turn and let them learn that, oh, it's okay to wait for a turn because in the long run, that's going to help out your friend. So again, you're kind of tapping into this empathetic little heart that Lily has to help her learn that, oh, actually I'm being helpful for my friend, for my sister to um, continue to have my turn and let them learn that they need to wait their turn as well. It's important, particularly in the incident with a little boy in the gym, to give her some language that she can use in those situations. Like, I need you to stop. This isn't working for me. I don't like this. But also recognize that her young age, it might be really hard for her to find those words. And a lot of us parents want our kids to behave beyond their maturity level. So instead, you want to point her in the direction of the adults in charge and let her know that she can go for help. And that's not tattling. Some kids don't want to feel like, oh, I'm tattling on that kid. You, you ask for help. You go to that other adult so they could either observe what's going on and step in on your behalf or to ask for help. Um, so-and-so is doing something that I don't like. Can you help me? And then they could step in and they can intercede. You don't want your children to feel at such young ages that they have to solve problems on their own because you might end up in situations like this where Lily is feeling like, okay, I'll just give in to what other people want all the time. That's how I'm going to solve this. She might need some help. And so you want to point her in the direction of going to, as Mr. Rogers used to say, point her towards the helpers. Who's in charge? Who can she turn to? So she doesn't feel like she has to handle this on her own. The other thing I want to tap into here is with this little boy in the gym situation, there's a conversation to be had here about consult consent. It is important that 
she understand that she needs to communicate when something doesn't feel right, particularly if it's on a physical level, and that she has to communicate that through either her words or her actions or by going to an adult, as I said, and saying, I don't like this. It's very important that children understand the language around consent on both sides, how to ask consent. Is it okay if we um, play this way right now? Um, Is it okay if I give you a hug Um, to ask for consent? Or, and also on the other side, it's important for our children to communicate when they don't like something. So they don't feel like I have to hug when I don't want to hug. So I have to play in a way that I'm not happy about or not comfortable with. Again, with your little empathetic child, Lily, you can be explaining this to her that you're actually helping your, this boy learn a valuable lesson that no means no, that stop means stop. And he should ask if we're trying something that maybe if it's crossing over on a physical level, he needs to learn that that is something that he needs to ask permission for first before doing it. Both parties need to be issuing consent with each other. I'm going to put a link in my show notes here. Also a great article that addresses teaching our kids about consent. And again, this is a big topic that I will likely address on a future episode. And lastly, for Sarah, Lily's mom, model standing up for yourself in front of Lily. If someone does something that makes you uncomfortable, call them out on it in a way that is direct but in a way that she can kind of see, oh, that's how you say if something didn't work for you. And I've got a great example of this, something that just happened to me um, on Halloween. And there was a, in my neighborhood, there was a kind of trick or treat uh, put on by the people and, and businesses on this particular street in the neighborhood I live in. And one of the very first kind of stations that we went up to, there was a man who was in front of his storefront who was engaged in a conversation. And my kids kind of walked along and said, trick or treat, and he didn't respond. And then they said, trick or treat again, and he again didn't respond. And meanwhile, other kids are kind of walking up and kind of just hand, helping themselves to the bowl of candy in front of this man. And I thought, okay, this must be one of those stations where, you know, you say trick or treat, but then you go ahead and you help yourself to a piece of candy. And so I encouraged my kids to do so. My oldest child grabbed a piece of candy. My middle child took a piece of candy. And my youngest is reaching up to get a piece of candy. And at the same time, my kids also were saying their thank yous and they were, they were doing everything right. But he missed it all because he was engaged in a conversation, which was fine. But instead of kind of recognizing and saying, oh yeah, yeah, you know, happy Halloween, he instead took the opportunity to kind of put his hands in front of the candy, guarding it from my youngest child and saying, you didn't say trick or treat yet. Now I could have just kind of said like, oh, um, kids say trick or treat, but no, he was wrong. My kids did say trick or treat a couple of times. And I said, actually they did say trick or treat, but you were engaged in a conversation. You didn't hear them. And he said like, well, most kids these days don't say trick or treat. And I said, well, my kids did. And I stood up for myself I, and I spoke back to him in a way that was very direct. I didn't get into a yelling match. I didn't get into a screaming match, but I very directly expressed to him that the way that he was interacting with my children was not okay with me. And so I said, oh, yes, they did. You know, this did happen and you missed it. And I was very direct and my kids saw that and I could tell that they felt protected. They felt comfortable, but they also saw, oh, that's how you do that. If somebody wrongs you, this is how you express yourself in a way that is direct yet still uh, respectful at the same time. So um, that's kind of my last little tidbit is to model standing up for yourself for somebody in front of your children so that they kind of see how that works. Again, thank you so much for submitting your questions. If you already submitted a question to me, I very likely have it um, queued up for a future Q&A session. And if you'd like me to answer a question on my future episode, please submit it to me at the3dparent.com. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. 
I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.